Good Monday morning, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's a great Monday to connect with you through the I Love Seville Network on a show presented by Yes Realty Partners and Keller Williams Alliance. Today is Woody Fincham, and when Woody Fincham is on set, I get very, very excited. We have an expert at values, at appraising homes, at determining where the market may or may not be going, and he is just fantastic at putting the content an approachable and, and, and very easy to understand type of um, communication. Judah Wickhauer is the director. If we can go to the studio camera and let's welcome the panel. Keith Smith, Woody on a Monday. That's our, that's our benefit on a Monday. You know, um, I think I'm just going to sit back and listen. Say, and say, man. You know, when, when Woody's on, you know, we get some learning, learning in. So for the two or three people that don't know you, quickly introduce yourself and, and the firm, your firm, and then we can kick off from there. Sure. Woody Fincham. I'm the uh, president and co-founder of uh, Fincham & Associates. We're a, a, a residential real estate uh, valuation firm. We do consulting and feasibility analysis and, and basically value uh, uh, Real estate, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. Sorry, coffee's not kicked in yet. <clears throat> he values what is most Americans' primary retirement asset. That's what he does. And why is that so important? Why, why is, in today's environment, your job more important than, than, than most uh, markets that we've been in at this point? There's a couple of reasons it's a good why. good question. Why? Um, that's a big question. Um, I think mainly because we are kind of like, the, I, I don't like to use the word gatekeeper, but we're the fulcrum upon which most real estate transactions kind of swing. And that we're, we're looking at the real estate for mortgage transactions um, to make sure that it's, it's vetted well, that the collateral that they're using for the loan is what it needs to be for the bank. Um, we found out how very important appraisers were, what, about 13 years ago when the market decided to go belly up. And uh, a lot of that, um, there were some, some things going on in the valuation market that caused some of that. So uh, it's a very important profession. Uh, sometimes I, I forget how big it is. Well, it, it definitely is, um, you know, as we refer to it or as Neil Williamson refers to it, and we've stole, or I stole it, it's the time of great unpleasantness, mm. right? <clears throat> and so <clears throat> just to compare the two, what was going on then, because this question comes up quite a bit, are we going to have a repeat of 2008, 2009, 2010? There's many reasons why I don't think it will, but I think a lot of it lands on the appraisal process. So what was the difference sure. between that and now? Well, I mean, ultimately, the difference between it, I think now banks and lending institutions are being more careful with their collateral. They actually want it vetted. Uh, back 13, 14 years ago, they were just... It, Appraising for most lenders were just, hey, it's a box we got to check to facilitate a closing. Let's make it happen as quickly as we can, as cheaply as we can, uh, and don't, let's not hire qualified people. I mean, that was a big problem back then. Um, but I think, you know, that's not putting too fine of a pen into it, I guess. But the regulatory requirements changed quite a bit as uh, part, big time. <clears throat> part big of time. that, correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's... Most lending institutions that we work with now, I can't, uh, as far as the transaction goes, I'm not allowed to speak with the loan officer, anyone who's commissioned in it, except for the real estate agents, we're really not supposed to be talking to. Uh, there's nothing illegal about it, but that's the policy of a lot of lenders, because there, were, there was quite a bit of collusion going on back in that market 13, 14 years and, ago. And, you know, I want to highlight this as we wind down the first sizzle reel and, and end the first one with what Woody says here. Keith set the stage perfectly. Another reason this is different from the time of great unpleasantness 
0809 housing crash, one word, equity. I mean, people yes. are sitting on stacks of paper right now, which is breeding security, which is very different with when, what was happening back then. Your, your, your thoughts? Oh, for sure. I mean, the other big thing, too, is that, you know, the markets 14 years ago were basically a lot of investors were acting like heroin addicts. You know, it was uncontrolled gambling. They were taking a lot of mortgage-backed security, paper, you know, where they take the mortgages, they sell them on the secondary to investors, to Fannie Mae, to Freddie Mac. And they were, they were putting together really bad, badly graded uh, paper and putting it in with really good paper. And it, it just it was toxic. Everything was toxic. The way, the way that they were doing. So a lot of it had to do with how they were investing on, in the stock market itself. Uh, it caused a lot of problems. So we're going, to talk a little, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about valuations quarter over quarter over quarter. But right. I, want, I want to go back to the ability to talk to my side of the table, sure. the real estate agent, the realtor. Is that a benefit? Is that helping you through certain appraisal um, situations where you might have struggles with getting the valuation and do, oh, what, sure. what kind of offer, what kind of service or what kind of help do we bring to the table? A lot. It's an invaluable communication piece. My job when I'm working on an appraisal for a mortgage company is I've got to understand the transaction. If I don't speak to the listing agent and I don't talk to the buyer's agent, I may not understand the motivation of the consumers involved. One of the things I have to do when I'm, I'm, I'm appraising for a, a lender is that I have to vet whether or not it's an arm's length transaction, meaning that everybody's acting in their own best interests. They're to, to a certain degree, they're well informed, which is usually the case when you've got agents involved. You know, they've, they've done their best for the for, for both sides of the of the transaction. And, you know, it's, it's really important, you know, for me to understand, well, give me a history of the property. You know, that's why I was, when I'm teaching classes for the Appraisal Institute, whenever I'm lecturing to my students, I'm like, when you're writing an appraisal report, you need to tell me the story of the property. So I want to know the transaction. You know, what updates have been made to the property? What was your showing feedback? I mean, all of that's super important. I'm really surprised at how many appraisers actually don't have those conversations because there's no other way for me to find it out. Some say that they're not supposed to talk to us. That's part of the reason why I brought this brought this yes. question up. You know, is that legitimate, not legitimate? Do I have the ability as I'm representing my buyer or my seller, mm -hmm. for, for, the, for that matter, um, to communicate? I'm allowed to do that, correct? You absolutely are allowed to do it. A lot of appraisers like to work in a bubble uh, and I'm not trying to pick on my colleagues, but, you know, a perfect day for most appraisers is the phone doesn't ring, you sit at your desk, and, you, and you're typing your reports, and no one's bothering you. And how often does that happen? Never. <laughs> <laughs> the only way I've found to do that is to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning when everybody else is asleep and work. Really? Uh, but oh, don't say that out loud. But then I if, I, call you. If, if I turn my iPhone on, though, uh, turn to take it off of a uh, no, do not disturb. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people will start. You know, it's like if somebody else is up and sees I'm up. They're like, "Oh, great! Can I ask you a question?" I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a busy guy. He's constantly crunching numbers. He's constantly looking at analytics and data. Um, a follow up to Keith's question: There, if the house is paper trailed correctly with permitting with updates. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the paper trail is well documented. Why does that conversation with the agent have to happen? Can the appraiser not garner the information he or she needs from just the paper trail to properly appraise the house? To a certain degree, you can do it just through the paper trail. But again, 
Um, my job as an appraiser is I'm trying to synthesize what's going on on the market. So I can't do that if I don't understand what the consumers are doing. I don't work directly with consumers when I'm doing a mortgage transaction. So, um, I mean, as a matter of fact, we try not to talk directly with the borrowers in most cases because it creates all kinds of issues. Not that it's illegal. It's just, you know, it's a professional thing um, because people are always trying to bend you to what they want to do. But in the end... Um, the only way I get that information about what consumers want, what they need, you know, Keith, when he's driving people around in his car, he's listening to a husband and wife or a couple talk about what they want and then what they need. So market preference really comes from being able to, to discern that from, you know, talking with the agents and, and talking with other people involved. We even talk to title company uh, folks whenever we can. I think a lot of it, Jerry and Woody, is that the market is moves, moving so rapidly. Yes that it's difficult to get a bead on it if you're just looking at it um, from the laptop perspective or, or from our Surface Pros here. Yeah. And I think that's where the conversation, and to that point, um, a couple of folks after our Friday show reached out to me and wanted to do breakdown of like a million plus, mm -hmm. 750 to 99. So just to talk about the million plus in our full footprint, which I've included Waynesboro, Stanton, and Augusta in that, the um, and that's slide number three, Jude. If you got a minute, uh, if not, no worries. Um, we have just from the end of the first quarter. Thank you, Judah. From the end of the first quarter, right? Just the first seven days has jumped up seven percent in value, a uh, nine hundred and forty-four thousand dollars. So it's interesting. The million dollar and up is actually one of the only price categories that had um, an increase in volume. It went up from uh, roughly 6% in, in volume on it, which is not uh, on the slides here. That's another another slide. You, so, think that's a, you think that's a byproduct of straight-up cash buyers that are not affected by rate volatility? That's a great, in that category? That's a great question because I was just about ready to ask. I would imagine that category is straight cash money. And, and they don't care if we have roller coaster rate rides. Yeah, we've just done a couple of assignments where the folks were qualified to buy with cash. They ended up doing – a lot of times in those situations, they'll also get a small mortgage on the property. So we'll get, we'll get called in on a sale. It's funny. You call the listing agent, hey, I need to come out and, and do an appraisal. Well, this is a cash deal. Why are you coming out? Well, they're doing something else with, a, with some type of lending instrument. And uh, What's that mean? Well, you know, like you can um, – a lot of times folks have a lot of money in their retirement account, mm -hmm. so they'll access that to pay cash. So that mm -hmm. way they're more competitive in the market. They don't have to worry about bidding because their mortgage limits them where they're at. Pay what they need to pay, and then as soon as they close, they cash that money back out, put it back into their retirement account. Gotcha. I'm working on three transactions that are exactly doing the yeah. same thing. They're pulling money out of retirement funds, purchasing, <clears throat> and then they're going to go reach out to Scott Morris. Mm-hmm to go ahead and finance a portion of it, uh, refinance it, however the, the mechanism that he's going to use to help them. So that's starting to happen because in order to win the day, cash is king, right? Yes. And and then what they're doing is going ahead and then taking a portion of that and, and refinancing it. So you're seeing some of that? Seeing a lot of it. And the best part about it is uh, oftentimes – if they don't do it while they're purchasing, they'll do it immediately after the purchase. And so we end up with the best comp in the world we could ever have. It's the subject property itself. Yeah, which closed, uh, what, days ago? Yeah, it's, it's amazing how... Uh, so you've seen a lot of that? Uh, more, than, more than we have ever seen it, but, I mean, it's not, you know, maybe one out of every 20, 25 transactions we're doing are that way. But we do 
a tremendous amount of volume over the course of a year. So I imagine, I don't know. I don't know how many. I, I really don't know how to quantify it, Keith. Just more than we've ever seen. Can we go back to the chart on screen? Because this, this data is fantastic, Keith. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Judah's got it on screen for you boys. And, and I'll let you jump in on that because I was going to ask um, Woody a few questions I, about it. I just would love his take by category. Yeah. I mean, if he could just shoot from the hip and, you know, we're sitting here at Woody's bar in his basement at his house. Give us the breakdown by category of what you're seeing on screen. We've got a true professional here. So the million dollar and up uh, category is a very difficult category to metric because that can include all types of real estate that's above that. I mean, some of those properties are include 100 acres yeah, or more. Yes, land. Uh, some of them, you know, if you get into Farmington, you know, you, you might not have 100 acres, but you've got very valuable four acres of land. Um, also, uh, you know, the, the size of these properties as far as the gross living area and the amenities. A lot of these properties have equestrian elements. They're going to have, um, you know, large stables. Some of them even have tenant houses and farm manager houses and things like that. So that category can be a little difficult to follow. So, so I'll jump in on that real quick. Mm -hmm. I actually did a dig into the data yesterday. Uh -oh. The average acreage for the million up is 14. Wow. That's, that's that doesn't mean some are higher, some are lower. This was average, right? <laughs> right, right. That's a nice chunk. <clears throat> yeah. Especially for Admiral County. For sure, for sure. Well, that's that includes just, everything. So. Okay, you did the entire footprint. Still. To include Augusta, Waynesboro, and Stanton. Yeah. So that's, you know, the, the, the listeners and viewers were asking for a bigger picture. What's happening sure. at the different different price points. Of course, a million dollars here is a lot different than a million dollars over in the valley. Right. Um, when you get over there, you're getting into very big pieces of land usually. And I'm a little slow. It took me like a half a day to do this. A job well done, Keith break, Smith. Break the the break. next category is jumbo market possibly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, on the low end, not the jumbo market. If you could put it back on screen, is it 750 to uh, 999 nine, nine. Yeah, so the low end of that may or may not, depending on the down payment, be jumbo. Correct. Um, the high end, you're probably flirting with jumbo on the high. Oh, sure. Because that yeah. puts you at uh, 800. If you put 20% down on a million, you're at an 800 loan, which is clear cut jumbo. What do you uh, see category two there? That is a very competitive category. I mean, like if you get into Crozet or North Point or places like that, that's a very common range for the price points for those. I mean, you're getting into a very strong upper middle class market. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a statement right there. A million bucks upper middle class. At mm -hmm. one time, that was clear cut luxury. I'm seeing a lot of stuff that's eight, nine. That's nowhere near luxury. So the three, nowhere near luxury. The three people that reached out to me after Friday's show, hey, let's talk about the quote-unquote luxury, I, each one of them, I said, so what's your number? Right? Why do you consider What is luxury now? I mean, a million and a half and above. Yeah, yeah I would I agree. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. A million yeah. and a half above is now yeah. luxury. It yeah. used to be... So million would yeah. be million would be the big number, and that's not too long ago. Eight fifty <clears throat> nine hundred in some cases, yeah, I was right? Say if you get a, if you like could a, get into the western part or the eastern part of Ivy, and you would definitely be in the seven fifty to nine hundred fifty range. And luxury, yeah. So if you go back to slide number three, what I found interesting about this, and I would love your feedback on mm -hmm. it. Other than the million and up to seven fifty to nine ninety nine to five hundred to seven forty nine nine to two fifty to four ninety nine so forth and so on through the uh, one two three four five categories, all of them were pretty flat value quarter over quarter. Mm -hmm. One might be a percentage up, percentage down. The million and up was substantially higher, but when we go to the next slide, which I believe is four, that's where I think where the real story is. 
is the volume of sales. So to your point, Jerry, the seven. Thank you, Judah. The seven fifty to nine 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 had a fifty seven percent drop in transactions inventory. Another a number of actual closed transactions quarter over quarter was down fifty seven percent. The highest, by the way, was from zero to two four. You know why I think that is? I'm just spitballing with you boys here. I I fall in that category right there, and we got something right before COVID. And if folks got it right before COVID and locked that rate in, how can they potentially move? Because yep. their trade-up is now, as Woody just identified, a million two, million three, million four, million five. And how do you get that? Plus the work? higher rate. Yeah. So they're like, why? I would hold. You would hold. I mean, do you guys disagree here? Because no, the I folks don't. that are trading up from that category are going into the million up category. So and I'm, only, million going, up, go I'm only going back to last year. But and that's the point I'm trying to make is some of these um, more middle grade price ranges have, I think, had greater appreciation. And this is what I wanted to ask Judy. Ju- um, Woody. Woody. Thank you. That's Judy. That's Judy. Judy. Wow. Judy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have you seen in the last five years the appreciation of million and up substantial? Which price category in your opinion, had the largest jump in the last five years. Lower middle class and middle class probably had the largest yeah. jump percentage-wise. In and, value. Yeah, I mean, just taking my home as an example, I live, I, we bought a, a four-bedroom, uh, two-and-a-half, in uh, Lake Monticello in 17 for $230,000. The value of our property is over four hundred grand now. Yeah, sure. I mean, that, that's an amazing amount of growth. Um, and we're still getting people. I mean, I get occasional knocks on the doors from agents that can't find what they want. Someone wants a colonial. Hey, we, we, we want to buy your home. It's like, no, I'm at less than 3% on my note. I've got a massive amount of equity in my property. And no, I just don't. Until a life change happens. Yeah. Uh, well, and- his take on that phenomenon, because that's been covering well over the last two weeks. How do we uncover that? How do we get over the phenomenon of you sitting on significant equity, but it's significant equity at a rate that's sub four, sub three, sub th- uh, sub two seven five, and you you saying I'm not going to utilize the equity to trade up, which would add inventory. And I'm not talking to you specifically; sure. I'm talking generally. How do we get over that? Time. I mean, people eventually are going to want to move. I mean, that, that's the American dream. We can we we buy, and then you know a few years later we're going to move up. And um, I think that's not going to change unless we see a significant change in, in, in how houses are being bought. Um, and, you know, like in our, going back to my situation, my son moved to Chesterfield. I have two grandchildren there that I want to see way more than I'm getting to see right now. We, we, we won't move to anywhere close to them, but had they been a little closer we probably would have sold and moved um, just, just so we can be. But Chesterfield's just too far away from my base here in Charlottesville. Um, but, you know, things like that occur in everyone's life. You know, you, you want to, uh, to move closer to work. You want to, you know, eventually you, you just want a bigger home because as we, as the old George Carlin joke, you know, we need bigger houses because we've got too much stuff. As we, we we've got things, stuff, we, we don't we? We need a bigger home. Woody Fincham with the Carlin joke. Judah even got a chuckle out of that one right there. That's the first reference of George Carlin and the I Love Seville Network history. That's oh, amazing. Don't, don't look, don't go there because I think you, he, Woody, and I could do some George Carlin riffs on. I thought it was uh, fantastic. Yeah, when you're nine years old and you get uh, into your father's AM FM album for George <laughs> Carlin, which uh, I got my my high tanned over that one. But, uh, uh, Woody Fitcham, not only a value expert, but some would say a heavy metal aficionado as well. 
Woody Fitchip. I think that's fair to say. I, I was thinking I think about so. Woody yeah. on a bike ride the other day. I think I that's him. absolutely fair. So what do you say to the folks that are going to see the car report? And Keith's gotten ahead of this. I'm sure you've heard it on his show. Mm-hmm. Car report coming out where, where potential values have dropped year over year. Well, you know, when Keith put his numbers out last week, I over the weekend, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to prove him wrong. Oh. But I can't. Okay. Um, because the one thing, once you get below the million-dollar mark, you, when you're trending data, it's often better to use a point of comparison, such as price per square foot, something of that. that. And I hate price per square foot when you're valuing. Oh, yeah. Oftentimes, agents will misuse it, and consumers misuse it because they don't understand how it works. But um, when we're trending data, we will use price per square foot. We use median price per square foot usually. And I couldn't disprove what he was showing just in his absolute and sales price numbers. And I wanted you to. I, I was, we're showing a slower decline, yeah. like um, uh, 0.03% <clears throat> per month is what we're showing overall at Albemarle. But it's only in certain jurisdictions, right? right. So, Jude, if you can go to slide number one, with that, with that $400,000 green line that I have set up, all the other jurisdictions, um, with the exception of Buckingham, are either flat mm-hmm. or just a little bit above. It's Charlottesville and Albemarle that kind of took a bit of a dip. But <clears throat> if you take a look at what happened in the last seven days, it is completely reversed. Mm-hmm. We are now higher than we were by the end of the, end of the, end of the first quarter. And any read on why you think that was happening during that first quarter? Well, with statistics, when you're trending, the one thing that will affect it is frequency of, of, of occurrence, right? So, and what I mean by that is how often is something actually selling? We went through a lull. When August hit and the rates went into the 6% range, we, buying power just evaporated for a lot of folks um, or diminished what they could buy by quite a bit. So a lot of people were just like, you know, I'm going to sit on the fence. We're not going to do anything. So what happened? We slowed down in frequency of sales. If you're trending with a trend line, what's going to happen is that's going to actually pull that trend line down mm-hmm. uh, because you don't have as many occurrences of the data as you had previously. Sorry to get all No, this is mapping. fantastic. Please keep going. I love this stuff. And we will often... Um, use a polynomial line where you know we'll do four movements in it and what that means is that the line actually moves kind of with as the the bars progress and we the, the few that I ran over the weekend for Albemarle shows that it's just starting to turn and tick back up yeah, because frequency is increasing. Yeah, so I think over the next month, we really are going to see what the market's going to do. I, I, I have no reason to think we're not going to have a positive market. Overall. And, and that's, close the business 2023. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm positive thinking, market values. Obviously not so. units sold. No. No, no. I mean. Value, well, total dollar. People that were going to make a move have done it. So, I mean, now we're getting back to a more normal market where people are moving because they need to move. They're not doing it just because they want to move up. Well said. Very well said. You agree with that? I totally agree with that. And I think, and that's the reason on Monday's show, I was a little hesitant to talk about this, but I think we needed to do that. We needed to get this information mm-hmm. out there and evidenced by the few texts that I by received. By the responses, yeah. On that end of it. But I, and the reason I wanted you here today, or asked you to be here today, I should say, um, is I wanted to see your read on it. Is this just a blip where I'm reading it? And it's kind of a hangover a little bit from the interest rates going up, the holiday season. Sure. And I, and I can tell you right now what I'm seeing in Charles on Albemarle. We're, I'm going to go do a home inspection this afternoon in, in and around by the airport. Cash buyer, multiple offers. We were fortunate enough to win it, mm-hmm. win it, and that all happened in the last seven days. 
on it. So I, I don't, I, I think you're right. I think at the end of the year, I'm still sticking with this three to 6% year over year as a minimum. Some of it I think might be a little, a little bit, a little bit higher, but the scary, the thing that's scaring me as a practitioner is the units are dropping number of sales. Mm. And we've talked about this, Jerry and I talked about this months and months ago when the 3% was happening. And I think that is going to be more detrimental to the market long term than, you know, I'm talking about the fo- ability for folks to buy sure. or wanting wanting to sell. I mean, am I off base? Or you? I mean, he's basically saying if you have a 3% interest on a 30-year fixed mortgage and you secure this during COVID, before COVID, whenever, why would you sell your house and why would you... Activity breeds activity. Put your house in the rotation to create other houses coming in the rotation. That's what he's asking, Woody. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that it's slowing some because it means we're moving back to pragmatic consumers. I mean, this fervor we've had the last couple of years, um, I mean, there were some general conversations when I would talk to other appraisers across the country. I'm, you know, I've got a big network of colleagues that I talk with. And some of them were actually to the point, are, are we still, are all these transactions are actually arm's length transactions? Because the people are buying out of the fervor of bidding. They're getting competitive. Do they really need to do what they're doing? It's, but, you know, in, in the end, I think it's, it's a good thing for the economy overall that we're slowing down. It's not good for our colleagues that need to close loans to, to make a living. But Devil's you know. advocate on that comment. Folks are still making purchases. And, and Creighton Cross is watching. He says you're an absolute legend. Praying Cross is giving you props right now. Other folks are saying similar things. I'll read their names here in a matter of moments. Devil's Advocate, the home inspection uh, waivers are still happening. Yes. Appraisal gap coverage is still happening. Uh, I still see psychotic be- – a different, different phrase. I shouldn't say that. I should say rash decision-making based on a competitive landscape is happening still. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? It I is. I think that's fair. It is. Yeah, we, if you waive a home inspection, I would say that's rash decision making based on a competitive landscape. So we number and Woody was kind enough to help my daughter and son-in-law and myself and uh, take a look at a valuation on a piece of property, which was eight properties ago. <laughs> right, <laughs> we, wow. we made offer on. So we made an offer. You're on deal. You're offer twelve. Where this is eleven on okay, the table. Eleven, gotcha. Um, and I, I think we've got a really good chance of getting it because we waived home inspection. And what year I, is that house? I, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. no, seriously. Yeah, um, double my age. Okay. It's 100 years old. And you're waving the home inspection. I mean, that, that puts a lot of pressure on the father, realtor who's a father who has a Class A contractor's license. You have and, a boatload of responsibility on your shoulders I, right I, now. Exactly. And I do, and, and, but, boatload. <laughs> but that responsibility is there regardless if it's my daughter or not. Uh, right? Yeah, but now without a third-party inspection... Well, but this is part of the conversation. And I spent an hour, which, by the way, I've got other clients that are wanting to waive home inspections. And we have this long conversation of saying, okay, this is the the upside, this is the downside, right? The upside is, you know, the moment, you know, it puts us in a better position to win. The downside is, we don't know what we don't know. The worst part of that Richmond trans, the one that we're on, they're only giving you 30 minutes in a house. Mm. That's it. That's all you get is that's 30 bananas, minutes. man. And thirty minutes after the show on Friday, in the rain, looking at a house. 
And then you put it off on it. And then trying to mentor and coach the buyer you hear that, through Gina? the decision process is a ton. Thank you. You know what? I just do it, but I That's never a really... tremendous responsibility. I, I just do it. I never really thought about it until you just... Well, on top of that, for the viewers and listeners watching, this is his daughter who has a two-month-old baby. That two is moving three, three month, turn three, three months month on the baby seventh. Who's moving across the country to a new market... For a new job that her husband's taking. But, but, and this is their first house they've ever purchased in their entire life. I'm, I'm trying to go back a little bit as Jerry is talking to the NAR um, quarter, uh, year over year reasons for folks to move. And I'm trying to find it out of 170 pages here. The, <laughs> back to the reasons. What primary reason for selling a previous home. Wanted to move closer to family or friends, 21%. Moving due to, uh, due to uh, retirements, number two. Neighborhood has become less desirable, number three. House is no, too small, number four. Change of family situation, number five. Home too large. That doesn't make sense. One's too big, one's too small. <laughs> it's kind of like too hot, too cold. Um, <laughs> Job relocation. I don't know if I'd like that. I'm reading this for the first time, by the way. Uh, upkeep of home is too difficult. Cannot afford mortgage or other expenses. That doesn't make sense. Uh, what Move closer to current job. Unfit living conditions. Yada, yada, yada. There's like 12 reasons here. Number one, move closer to family and friends. Number two, retirement. And that's why people are moving right now. Right. Closer to family, retirement. Neighborhood has become less desirable. I don't understand number three, but it's number three on that <laughs> end of it. But it's a nationwide, nationwide numbers. But you know, for the re- it, for the realtors that are out there watching and listening, this is why I'm trying. As far as home inspection goes, the 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 house hack is try to bring a an, a home inspector with you, or a contractor, you. or a contractor. But if you only got 30 minutes... What can you do? There's yeah. not much you can do. So, so legitimate... And then what do you jump in here anytime you want? I'm just trying to understand here. Friday after the show, you went with your daughter. No, no, no. She's in Seattle. This was FaceTime. Oh, my God. Did you hear that? We did, did this. We did a, You went to Richmond. Yeah. Did a 30-minute FaceTime tour yep. of a 100-year-old home. Yep. And put an offer on a house yep. that your buyer is your daughter yep. that has a three-month-old daughter, yep. sight unseen, yep. without a home inspection. Yep. Oh, by the way, an appraisal gap up to seventy-five thousand bucks because the home won't appraise. I can right. I can assure you it will not appraise. Uh, that sounds like that sounds like uh, what is that? that that's and a, they're happy. Do what you got to do. Hey, and props to you. And, props. They're, and they're happy. They really are. So I, I props. Yeah. I communicate. With my daughter, just like I would any first-time buyer or any buyer, period, or seller, right? I, I, I would outline the possible hiccups. Like, we got to understand this, right? So I'm a little bit uh, more educated on the housing side than maybe most. I can look at an HVAC system, immediately know how old it is, right? What the SEER rating is, yada, yada, yada. Which, by the way, HVAC system on this house is five years past its lifespan, Five year How's the roof? A roof's in good shape. Okay. Slate roof, so we're good. Okay. With that. But, um, you know, it, it, I mean, I walked through it, the mechanics look pretty good. You know, I can get an eyeball on it and pretty quickly determine it, but I couldn't get up in the attic. I couldn't get in the crawl space. So I don't know if we got 
mold or God forbid right. or whatever. So, you know, and we spent an hour on the phone, uh, FaceTime or Zoom, whatever we did. It's FaceTime, I think. And say, okay, I need you to understand the risk we're taking here. Yeah. Uh, because we don't have any get-out-of-jail-free cards. You there guys is- are in a different situation because of your, your, your background. I mean, you, you're going to... You mean I'm special? Yeah. I mean, you've got the Class A. You've got the, the realtor background. You've been doing this you know, for a long time. Experience. You, you right. know what you're looking at. You're not going to put your daughter in danger. You I'm not going to put any buyer. Yeah, you're not going to put any consumer in, in, into danger. I mean, I, I, I know you well enough to know that. But, you know, the old adage is that when you get into, start taking your fundamental classes, it's like buyer beware. That's, that's what they always say. How can a buyer beware in a market where you can't have it appraised? They can't. And you can't get it inspected. Well, you can get it appraised. You just got to pay the difference. Well, I get it. And, and, and I don't so, – so to quantify this, these are very specific neighborhoods – in Richmond. Ah, but Fannie Mae has just released They want West Side right. Richmond. Fannie Mae's actually got uh, We moved some... out of that now just to be able to – excuse me to interrupt you, Woody. I apologize. We're outside of that, closer to us, just on the edge of that. What, more towards Shore Pump? Correct. Oh, uh, wow. in a neighborhood called Belvedere. It's right off of 64. I apologize. Claire no. All-France is giving you props. Oh, Claire, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so um, – Fannie Mae has just announced their value acceptance program. And what that is is appraisal waivers. If you're well qualified, you've got a decent amount of down payment you're putting into it, they're like, hey, guess what, consumer? You don't need an appraisal. Talk about care. that for a second. What is that number? Uh, Do we know? Is it by neighborhood? I, no, it's, it's – honestly, these are – it's a very small percentage of people. But if this program is successful, they're going to roll it into more risky waters. I've got a real problem with a, with a GSC, a government-sponsored entity, that is in conservatorship right now, making these reckless There's a whole show problems. in that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're talking about leading ourselves into a situation. Does that sound a little familiar? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's not, let's not uh, do so our So the diligence. government's going to potentially do what the private sector did in 2008, 2009, 2010. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, and when they're, in the cases where they want a property inspection, they're going to hire an Uber driver with no background to go out and take pictures of a property they may or may not be well-trained to do. No way. I kid you not. That's just scary. Yeah. So to make that even worse, to go back to that, they're, they're burning all the cash that they've saved. Oof. Well, they're in an appreciating market right now, and we're we're not on the ledge the way we were 14 years ago as an economy. So, so I did for this is what I would do for any buyer. You're mm-hmm. saying because of the down payment, they're burning all the cash that they have saved. Well, if if the if the oh. appraisal oh. gap gets exercised, how many offers do we know? Uh, and you have the permit. Let me put it this yeah. way: when I showed up, there was somebody still in the house. So I walked on the outside of the house. Five minutes before my time was up, somebody was knocking on the door to come in. So mm. There will be multiple offers on this particular home, and that rubber band in Richmond market is growing. Here, you know, we talked about on Friday, you know, I think the Bucking, Buckingham, I don't even want to use this, but it's coming to my mind. I think the Buckingham bubble's kind of popped a little bit. Mm. I think that valuation is is plummeting. I think those who went out to Buckingham last year or the year before, they're gonna they're, they're gonna have, water. They're gonna have to stay in the game. They're way, underwater way longer than 
than anybody else. Uh, everybody else, their appreciations are going to, you know, five years from now, I think their appreciations, and correct me if I'm wrong, are going to be such that if they got to make a, a move of some sort, they'll have enough appreciation sure. there to do something with it. Why not consider just playing, sake of a talk show here, I know this is a real estate sell and buy and sell in real estate. Why not in this scenario consider a year of renting? So and then before buying. So we actually had that conversation. Thank and you. let the market stop getting crazy. Yeah, except that they're going to burn through about $30,000 to $40,000 of that cash. Because of the rent? Ca- because that's what the rent's going to cost. Right, but they months. also got a high earner for a husband. I'm just looking at the picture that we are right now. So they would do that, and what's going to happen in the markets they want to be. I can tell you this house that we're going to hopefully win on Knock, that. Is this for Micah? I can, what is this? Yeah, this is for Micah. This, this is, is wood. fake the wood ed- here. The edge is wood. That's let you There's know. only one legit, authentic, genuine Woody in this house, and he's sitting here with oh. a black shirt on. <laughs> Woody Fincher, ladies and gentlemen. Is our man How many Woody times Fincher? You've ever heard that joke. This conference table oh, is <laughs> as, as fake wood as it gets, <laughs> but it looks good. Here's your 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 and cor- jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. It's not that market. It's it's Fulvana. It's green. Right, you're chasing an ever increasing valuation, mm-hmm. right? So you got to get in and, and start being part of the game. So if you're paying rent, and this is the conversation we had, okay, you're going to burn through your money. What you're what you can afford today, like the price point that you're looking at today, is going to be much is going to be higher a year from now. You've just burned your cash, so why don't you let your cash work for you now and get in the home? And this particular buyer made that decision two or three other buyers that i'm working on are making the same decision they're going to stay in the game what do you think woody i mean keith's not saying anything wrong um i mean i'm a little more pragmatic in the way i look at like if it was if i was in that situation i may want to rent for a little while but the other caveat to that is rent's not going down no so i mean we have a shortage of rental units on the market here locally and you know you're just we talked about this on last week's show Lori Fincham, one of the fantastic partners of Fincham and Associates, watching the program as we speak, she says on Lori, top of the rock star. on top of the economical changes you're seeing, typical seasonal changes. People don't want to move their kids during school year. Sure. It'll peak again just before summer. Legit comment right there from one of the uh, associates at Fincham and Associates. We talked about a Pantops one bedroom, brand new, Sintera behind the hospital, no walkability. Zero walkability, no nightlife, brand new one bedroom, one bath, seventeen hundred a month. Mm-hmm. Seventeen hundred a month for a one bedroom, one bath in Almar County, one bedroom. So one back bath. to my point is you're constantly chasing. Yeah, you know it's just it's just only going to ratchet up your rent expenses, your your purchase expenses. You know. I happen to think interest rates going to drop down, so that'd be the one well, balance. That, interest rate come down, yeah. potentially rates. Rates are going to come down, potentially more inventory on the market, and the most. What I see is the most straightforward. You're not doing a west coast to east coast move while trying to buy a house. You can spend a year renting while you get to know the market. So the 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 buyer profile that I am seeing doing a lot of that. Is the folks that sold their house up in Northern Virginia, New York, Running. got a boat full of boat full of cash, yeah. right? Okay with burning twenty, thirty, forty, or 30, however it is, grand a year while they're waiting for the right house 
the right features, the right condition to hit. That's what you're seeing. And then they're jumping in with a pot full of cash. And then that's the reason why when you take a look at the generational reports from 2000, 2022, the number one buyer profile is me, right? We've, we've surpassed the uh, millennial buyers, number of buyers um, in, in the marketplace. How about the John Keefe? Thank you. He says, love watching the webcasts. They are fantastic. Always great. All the time. Um, Jonathan says, bring up your point to Woody, Jerry, about in Almeral County, the entry point for a first-time home buyer is now $235,000. I made the point with the villas, the two thirty-five, three yeah. bedroom, two bath. You buying that? Um, with the villas, is that a HUD approved? Because that's a condo, right? Yes, yeah. sir. Is it HUD approved? Mm, I, I don't. He would know more about. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, I do not think they are. If they're not HUD approved, that's not entry point at all. That okay. is investor uh, market all day. But, and what I mean by that is that and that's a Scott question, uh, really. FHA and uh, Fannie and Freddie will not uh, lend in a, in a condo association where there's not a majority of, um, of owner occupied units. If they're yeah, mostly, it's not HUD approved. What's that? It's not hundred percent. Yeah, so that's that. I wouldn't even consider that to be entry level. The question he's asking is mainly the price point. Um, that's what's who, the price point for first time in Albaro? I mean, it's got to be over three hundred at this point, isn't it? What do you think? Well, I'm going to tell you here in a minute while you guys talk uh, you for can a get second. Condo inventory in the twos. But again, is it HUD approved? If it's not HUD approved, you, you're not going to be able to get a normal mortgage on it. So, I think so Hesham Hills the best, has got those yeah, in the twos. The best way to explain that is. And if you don't mind, just drop the HUD question. Is it majorly controlled by investors sure. or not? So typically, if a, sub, if, if a condo association is con- controlled by 51% or more, you're not getting a loan. Right. So one would think if it's on the market and it, it would have to say somewhere, I'm going to try to look up here real quick, we have to say somewhere in the listing that, you know, it's, HUD, it's approved or not, right. not, not approved. Um, so Albemarle County, what, what are we considering um, affordable? What price point? Pick, pick. I, I just want to know what the entry price point is. Right now, there's one for 200, jumps up to 234. Where's the 200? 200 is 5360 Lackey Lane. That's in Albemarle? Uh, this, I only did Albemarle. I did condos attached You might get some, some single families down in uh, the Asmont area. There's some and the high twos, yeah, mid twos, they're, 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 but they're not, you know, going to be real desirable. They're going to need TLC, yeah. yeah. So condos, I just plucked out everything else. That was an attached product, by the way. Just just to talk about Albemarle County, active on the market right now. Um, hang on one second. Let's make sure that I don't have new. Con- so we're good. Um, is cheapest one is four three seventy five. Yeah. Where's that? Uh, Glenwood Station. Mm-hmm. Been on the market for 80 days. Something's wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so and it dropped from 415 to 375. Yeah. So if you're cracking first time home buyer, you're looking for a first time price point. You're you're high twos, and you got to It's a diamond in the rough. So it's going to so be it's, TLC. So it's not a condo. We just proved that in Albemarle County now. Mm-hmm. Um, attached product, and I'm including new construction just for the heck of it. Um, it's thinking. Attached product is going to be more expensive, or uh, new construction is going to be more expensive. Got it. But I just threw everything in there. Lowest is uh, two thirty four. Um, <coughs> that's in Branchlands. Branchlands. Mm-hmm. Been on the market for twenty days. So there you go. Here's the conundrum. You got new construction, four rent, one bedroom, one bath, seventeen hundred a month. 
You need first month's rent, last month's rent, and security deposit. You're talking 5100 bucks there. That used to be a down payment for a first-time home before mm-hmm. COVID. Now 5100 bucks is getting you a one-bedroom, one-bath for rent in Almoral County. You can't get anything under three, you're saying. Cheap, cheapest new construction attached product is <laughs> Stanley Martin Homes at Pleasant Green at three fifty nine nine. Nice a, unit, by the way. That's a bit of cash. <laughs> uh, I know, but it's actually pretty. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, you did a, you know, I, I asked you a question before the show started. You uh, do the work for the land trust, right? Yeah. Um, three bedroom, two bath, Avon Park. We've just closed uh, one last week. The market value was three ninety five, and we sold it for two twenty five because of the model that that we that we that we use. The the buyer. We, we should explain that though. When we are doing an appraisal for the community land trust, we're appraising it hypothetically yeah. as if it's fee simple. Sure. The real market value of the property is a leasehold value of it. Correct. Because that's that's where the um, uh, the borrower owns just the improvements and they're leasing back the land. But market value based on this yeah. is, is just shy of four hundred yeah. grand. That's amazing. Well, they get a bunch of equity built into it. We love it. So as far as attached product, cheapest on the cheapest you can get is two sixty. Anybody want to take a look at detached? Tell me. Let's see. It's thinking. There's a lot on the market. It's 122 in Outmark County. That's a big number. Um, there's one for 190. Uh, but yeah, that's a teardown. <coughs> 190 where? Uh, blah 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 blah. I'd have to look at it. Don't even give me an address here. That's that. Oh yeah, that's that. Um, Lackey Lane in Coesville. Um, yes. You look, yeah, right yeah. That's uh, that's uh, yeah. We'll move on to a different unit than that. <laughs> so, so someone who's trying to get in here. I mean, where, where are they going, Woody? I mean, honestly, if you're a first-time home buyer, you're going to have to look away from Albemarle. You're going to have to get out into Louisa, uh, Orange County. Uh, you're telling us to stay away. Keith is from Buckingham because it looks like the values are dropping there. I mean, it's an easy drive. Maybe that's the opportunity? Yeah, it's an easy drive up Route 20. It's not that difficult of a thing to come up. Um, uh, Buckingham's a weird market, though, because you have five MLSs that participate there. So you've got all kinds of stuff always going on. It's a hard one to throw into the analysis because we only cut, like, a little section of it, which is over by Scottsville on that end of it. Uh, Cheapest one in Buckingham right now is two hundred grand. It's on Hand, Handley Lane. Todd Rath makes the point, and he's an investor. He owns a Blue Toad Hard Cider. Good spot to find an entry market is to see where Ryan Holmes is starting to build. That's a good point. Now, Ryan Holmes seems to me going to the other side of the mountain and not building on this side of the mountain much. Where is Ryan Holmes cracking ground anywhere uh, in Central Virginia? That I don't yeah, know, but I know. Well, over the mountain. Yeah, I think Ryan Green. Holmes is Shenandoah Valley now. But Green County is the next, next new construction hub. I'm actually got Green's a meeting not, after this. Green's not affordable, though. <laughs> right. No. Well, um, I've, I just pulled up Green. Cheapest uh, uh, home in Green is two fifty nine nine. Then it jumps right up to two ninety five. I mean, Ryan does several different levels. They have their premium. I forget what they call it. But then there's their entry level, like what they were. Ryan's doing. premium is Envy Homes. But but okay. right. But you know, when they were building in Grottos, they were doing that lower level. Grottos is a is a, just a small rural agrarian market, and they sold those things out. You know, as soon as they put them up. So, um, you know, I, we can speak to Stanley Martin Homes that they're one of our wonderful sponsors, and mm-hmm. I know of them pretty pretty well mm-hmm. while they're working at it. the The problem is they can't build 
starter homes because the development costs are so expensive. Yeah. The land acquisition is so is so expensive unless that there is um, some help from the government. We were talking about that with uh, Mr. Payne here. So let's uh, let's take a look at Augusta County real quick. And um, while you're looking, Keith, I'll ask the question: Does Albemarle give a, a, an incentive to these developers for the oh, community land trusts? Oh boy. So I just had a meeting with Ned Galloway mm -hmm. on Thursday at the Planning District Commission, so I have to check my notes. But they are finally releasing, I think, at the next – and if Neil Williamson is watching, he'll definitely he give He has us, a question for you. For he'll you give well. us the date. But they're finally supposedly presenting to the public and to the board their development incentive programs for their affordable housing program. For that, what uh, for is it going to look like? They're going to allow more density for the builder. Or? So that's a great question. Uh, no, it, it's not a very transparent process up mm -hmm. until this point. So uh, it's on my calendar. I just can't wait, remember the date. Wait a minute. Something that's happening in the public sector is not transparent. That seems strange. Well, huh. let me let me put it this way. Um, I attended a board meeting that it was supposed to be talked about, and it didn't get talked about. So let's see how this one goes. But the theory, at least I understand it, and, and Neil will, will chime in. By the way, Neil, I'm going to be in Greene County after this meeting uh, chatting with uh, Mr. Jim Friedel. Looking forward to it. Um, the... I think you'll start seeing bonus incentives for affordable housing, so forth and so forth and so on. But they, you know, we'll see. Maybe they're going to give uh, sewer and water sewer tap fee discounts. Yeah, or, um, or, in Virginia which Beach, is substantial, by the way. Uh, and this is over a decade ago because we've been up here a decade now. But when I was still practicing in, in that area, you know, Virginia Beach was allowing uh, like a 10% density bump if you were going to put yeah. some of the affordable housing units in. And uh, they gave incentives for teachers and police officers yeah. and firefighters. That's fantastic. Uh, we don't. We won't. That's we'll, great. I can assure yeah. you, after it gets dropped, and hopefully we will talk about it on the show. But at the moment, unless Neil has some information that I don't have, it, we don't know what it's going to be yet. Neil has a question for you specifically, Keith. If oh. housing affordability, he says, thank you, is defined as thirty percent of your income. What price could someone pay making 100% of annual median income, which is $111,200? So, Neil, thank you for the question. I can't, I can't do the math on that, but I can tell you, I know for a fact, at 80% AMI, it's 225 Because as the chairman of the land trust, which Woody helped us sell some homes for him, at two twenty-five. You're, you've got to be 80% AMI to go ahead and to go ahead and make that happen. My suspicion is you're probably closer to the 250 to 275. But the real part of that question is how many people really are only doing 30%. Most of the folks are doing way north of that. Yeah. More more like 50% to get there. That's the real the real question. But you know, look, I'm. I'm I think I'm in Green County. No, I'm in Augusta County. Augusta County, you know, south of south of 235, there's only eight homes available for sale. So, I apologize, seven homes for sale south of two, 225. Kevin Yancey says this about Waynesboro. Uh, we're having first uh, the first public meeting on tax equalization tonight. The amounts floating around range from a 20 cent per 100 to 12 cent minimum. So there's a delta, and Waynesboro's having the conversations the city of Charlottesville's having on the tax rate. 
and how that truly can impact affordability. Charlottesville City, we're seeing it have a tremendous impact on gentrification. Grayson jumping in the mix, North Downtown's finest, says Jerry, ask Woody's take on upzoning in Charlottesville City. Upzoning's got to happen. I mean, we don't have but so much land here that we can deal with. I mean, air rights, I think, are going to become a thing. Of course, that's the, our, the other problem is that we're in a Jeffersonian overlay. They don't want to do but so much modern-looking stuff around. I mean, when I came to the assessor's office back in 13, um, I remember we had lost uh, Home Depot over to Wayansboro because we didn't, and Cracker Barrel because it didn't meet the architectural desires of the county. They it was signage issues. Yeah, and it's just like, come on. I mean, you're not, you can't expect a corporation like that to not do what they do. Um, so, I mean, air rights have got to become in, come into play at some point because you, if, you can only get so dense horizontally. Explain air rights real quick. So building vertically, you know. I mean, we, wanna, we, need to, we need to start going up, you know. Um, I don't think there's any, any way around that. If you're going to stay in the city, um, as you get out into the to the suburban um, uh, concentric circles, as you move out into Albemarle, of course we've still got room for horizontal growth, but the land's still super expensive. That's so the problem. Neil Williamson will know these numbers exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just rec- recalling the Flum and and all the ordinances that are written, the the modules one and two that have been released. Majority of what is happening in this zoning rewrite is more in the single family detach the low rise you know taking a majority of the land that that is zoned r1s or r1 residential Mm -hmm. and you can put maybe three or four units on there they're not allowed to go too high on that so the corridors that are allowed to do that is pretty minimal on it so i don't think you're going to see a huge my personal opinion i don't think you're going to see a huge impact on that it'll impact those areas for sure but you're i just don't think you're going to take Fifty thousand rooftop or person um, city and times it by three or four. Or five. No, it's not. just not going to happen. We're we're taking small changes, and that's the the problem with government. Most of the time, they're very short sighted, and if they're going to change anything, they do it very incrementally. They don't look at the let's look thirty or forty years down the line. There is no way in forty years we've not if, if Charlottesville as an MSA continues to grow that we don't start going vertical because there's only so much space. So, what do you think about uh, growing the growth area for Albemarle County? I think you need to. Yeah, I, I don't. Is there the political capital to do it? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I really, I really don't think so. The so, other problem you have to run into as well is as you get out into the county, you've, there's a lot of conservation easements. Albemarle is now the most conserved county in the Commonwealth, with Loudon following uh, just behind them. Loudon was for a long time, and Albemarle was second. Uh, but you know, you can't take private land to develop for private use. So, so what you're saying is a, a large percentage of Albemarle County is put in these permanent conservations, mm-hmm. which means they cannot be developed. Right. So that even puts more of a restriction on the growth area. It does. Puts more restriction on the inventory, which keeps it down. Our 3% is keeping it down. I mean, I'm going to throw this at you. I mean, is this going to be this way for one year, five? I mean, where? Yes. When is? Yes. All the above. Yeah. Okay. So the Mets are doing real good. Decade. So <laughs> I don't see it changing anything. Yeah. No. So the next module release. Does upzoning create affordability, Woody? 
I mean, I think in the long term it does, but it also depends on how we go about it. I mean, if we're just going to, you know, just piece this stuff out very slowly and allow it to happen in a slow fashion, I mean, it continues to restrict the market. Uh, finite supply creates higher demand. Higher demand creates higher prices. I mean, it's basic economics. If we don't allow faster and more abundant uh, availability of, of things to develop, then Charlottesville is going to remain very, and I hate, to, I love Charlottesville, what I'm about to say is not a negative, but we're going to continue to be a bougie real estate market, and that prices affordability right out the window. But okay, but, devil's advocate, is that bad for Charlottesville, Central Virginia, and the local economy? A bougie real estate market where homeowners have tremendous equity and can grow to expect and appreciate Six to ten percent of appreciation a year. There's What's good, the bad of that? There's positives and negatives with any any scenario we cut it at. But here's the the reality: we have to focus on our service workers that need to be here to make you know things have to function. You know, we have to have police officers, we have to have teachers, we have to have people that are they're working in service retail jobs. If they can't afford to live in the community, they have to live somewhere else. We're not going to keep them in the long term. They're going to go someplace else um, because you know after a while, you know, three dollars and fifty cents for a gallon of gas, and you're, you're having to drive over the mountain or Adds drive up. from Goochland to, to work here. Um, it, it really it, that, that hits an affordable household's uh, pocketbook a lot harder than it does anyone else's. And, and I think sure. from a service perspective, because these particular service folks that take care of us are going to probably start looking to different. Different areas, and or or what happens, which we've been saying, is the service industry, and you had to choose your words carefully here. The service industry, which is oversaturated right now with restaurants, gets less restaurants, and and because it gets less restaurants, because they can't staff it, and and the price points at the restaurants that survive are going to be more expensive because they have to accommodate the more expensive labor that's struggling to afford to live here. And the term you used was what, bougie? Bougie? Yeah. Bougie. Yeah. Those particular bougie buyers, did I say that right? Uh, it's going to start, their patients are going to start getting thin when they can't get into their restaurants. And then, yep. then, then that's going Well, to- then what happens then? The area just expands, but we already said it can't expand. It, well, it doesn't. And this pressure just keeps on, it becomes this pressure cooker and just keeps on doing it. Just to put it into perspective, um, quarter over quarter, right? So this last quarter, 23 versus 22, zero, this is, this is all the area um, that we're including in two, include the other side of, of the mountain. Um, single family detached, includes new construction, by the way. Zero to 249,999. The valuation was flat, actually. It was two, the median was 200 for both quarters. The freaking inventory dropped 84%. So the number of units that sold was 84%. Went from 124 in this quarter versus 228 in last quarter. That's 104 less units were sold. So, and this includes Stanton mm-hmm. or Staunton. Um, Waynesboro, Augusta. I do not have Buckingham in, the, in, in this. Louisa, Nelson, Green, Fulvana, this whole big circumference of area were flat on valuation but down by 84%. So even in that ring, which includes the other side of the mountain, where are you going to buy? And we're just looking at it. There's nothing there. And I know yeah. we're, we're doing Captain Obvious, which I'm wearing the socks, by the way. Oh. I'm wearing the, I'm wearing the Very nice. He <laughs> literally Captain has Obvious Captain so- Obvious socks on. Uh, on it. Um, that's that's what- why this Seaville plans together. I think it's so important. The missing middle is so important that uh, we can start upticking 
uh, what we can within this footprint sure. instead of growing the footprint. Miles Hamrick, giving uh, Fincham some props over here. Miles, Brother Miles. Welcome to the program. Thank you kindly for watching. Uh, the follow-up is from Spencer saying, Jerry, bring up the point that you make often with Woody about HOA neighborhoods in the city and how they could increase in value as they are protected from upzoning. Well, I mean, th those are your covenants and restrictions that are in the HOA. Um, I, I'll, I'll get out of the city for a minute and just go back to Lake Monticello. I know that market really well because um, I live there. Um, you, you can only do what those HOA um, rules will allow you to do. I mean, uh, so there's not going to be any change in that unless the board overwhelmingly votes to change things. And um, That's my, difficult. My experience in 25 years of doing this is HOA boards very rarely change anything. Yeah. Um, other than raise the dues. Well, yeah. they, they, they're very agreeable to that. <laughs> so it's interesting, Jerry, you should bring that up. At our Easter dinner meeting last night, uh, uh, James Watson, who's my brother-in-law, who's also you, James Watson. a planner mm -hmm. by trade, uh, we were having this very conversation about HOAs in Lachlan Hill. Oh, mm -hmm. James is watching. So half of Lachlan Hill is in Albemarle, and the other half right. is in the city of Charlottesville. And I believe, well, I won't. I'll, I'll leave it alone. But we were having a discussion about the half that is in the city of Charlotte. Do you know what other – this is a trivia question. In fact, we should save this for the I Love Seville show. James Watson, you cannot answer on the I Love Seville show. Um, name two neighborhoods in the city of Charlottesville who has half the neighborhood also in Albemarle County. Gosh, I should know this. Yeah, Lachlan really, Hill is one. Yeah, that, that I know for sure. I'm trying to think of the other one. Hmm. You should know this too, kid. Yeah, uh, Huntley? Is it Huntley? No. Huntley's behind uh, Dirty Nellies and JPA. No, what's You're the getting one Huntley confused. See, I'm speaking Keith right now, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. not going to give the answer. Yeah, I know you, you got the it's answer. The one, it's, it's on the tip of your tongue. It's the one it. on Fifth Street. Extended. There it is. Yeah, I just can't remember the name it's of Willoughby. it. Willoughby. Willoughby, right, yeah. exactly right. That's right, it is. Willoughby. That was, uh, was that a buyer, an oil buyer? I think R.L. Byers, I think he started developing. Willoughby and Lachlan Hill, city of Charlottesville neighborhood. No, I'm and sorry, Almar that was County a Hauser. Hauser started that, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, 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 I You got it right. I was speaking Keith. I was like, he's I, I got it. I visualized it. it. I just it. was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that I knew you, you knew you guys the answer got like by you saying, I know, here. this is so weird, this nonverbal. What's so weird? I think it's a beautiful thing, Mr. Miller. This is this what is just happened here. He said Huntley, and I knew he got the answer right. It was really <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I love it too, brother. Oh, same, same. So do you, do you see any value gain in neighborhoods like that because their covenants and restrictions will preserve them from any collateral damage associated with upzoning? Or do you think that's a phenomenon that's not going to happen? I mean, and this study is probably 20 years old at this point, but the last academic study that I'm aware of where they looked at PUDs, planned unit developments and HOAs, um, there really isn't any added value to it. Um, there's a perceived added value. There's a perception of it, but yeah. it's not a real thing. People like that. I have, I've got I'm showing protection. A, I'm showing a house tomorrow um, to a client virtually out of state. A move up buyer. It's a highly contested piece of property. We'll probably end up putting an offer on it sight unseen. Just to put it in perspective. On a virtual tour. On a virtual tour. With no home inspection. Uh, well, we haven't gotten that far yet. With appraisal gap coverage. We this got, is, this we is the peak of COVID all over we again. Ha 
it, we talked about that. I, I this is COVID craziness all over. Yeah, again. I just it, we we took a timeout. The end of what year is this? The end of twenty two, in the beginning of look by the numbers in certain locations. The beginning of of twenty three. There was the sticker shock with rates, and we're now back. We're now back to it. That froze the market for a little bit, but now the chaos is back. But you're onto something, Jerry, and um, my belief that the upzoning, or what I'm calling it the zoning rewrite, or actually what they're calling it is the zoning rewrite on that, is going to have less impact because, and I'm going to, I wrote a note for Friday's show because we're going to have Dave Norris and... Uh, Sean Cooper. Thank you. Yeah. It's more, more speaking Sean Keith. Sean Cooper, yeah. We're speaking Keith in it. I wonder how many... You know, units or rooftops are actually in HOAs within the city of Charlottesville. I think there's a lot. Yeah, and that's I actually I, I I used to know this. I think there's ten neighborhoods in the city of Charlottesville that are HOA. So if that's the case, those are specifically excluded from whatever change is going to be because to, that's what I'm saying. To Woody's point. Yeah. The covenants and restrictions that are attached to those land override which supersede. Well, it depends on yeah, it depends a lot on how the HOA docs are written and so forth. But as a rule of thumb, they pre- they take precedent. Yeah, and I wanted to go back to the, the intrinsic value of, of what an HOA is and is not. Keith, you can I'm sure you'll support this. There I are, support anything you say. There are discuss. folks in the market that absolutely love HOAs, yeah, and they, all, they will it. always live in one. And there are people who are just diametrically opposed to them. It's anti-American as far as they're concerned. So it's interesting that this client I'm going to see tomorrow, mm-hmm. that was, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I don't write questions out. I just start asking questions as mm-hmm. we're having conversations. And one of my front-loaded questions was, is, okay, so this is what we're looking for, yada, yada, yada. So how do you feel about HOAs? Oh, we don't care. We're great. Sometimes that conversation is, is I have no interest in it. And the reason I want to ask that, and these folks did not want to be in the city. They wanted a little bit more land, so we're outside of we're outside of the, the well, city. Well, I mean, of if someone's vehemently opposed to an HOA, that starts limiting some inventory. That's exactly what they can choose, yeah. especially in Amar. That's exactly why that conversation happens. I mean, like, where are you going if you want a nice price point and you don't want an HOA in Amar? That's exactly why I asked the question. You're going. It's my search. For some them. of those neighborhoods Ivy extended, right? Mm-hmm. You got some non-HOA neighborhoods that are nice price points. Ivy extended. Uh, where else are you going? So one of the great. One of the great things about Zoom is you can do these meetings with people that are not sitting across the table. So I did it live. I said, okay, guys, let's take, let's, this is what you want. I put in the, the criteria of what they wanted, and let's click no HOA and see what that looks like. And what they have. And it went down to like single digit. Of units available. Of units available that fit their criteria that they wanted. Clicked on HOA, and it was substantially more. I can't remember the exact numbers. And, and they said, okay, great, then we'll find it. No, they didn't their, care. Their opposition to HOAs right. went away real fast. Of course. Went away real fast. Well, that's good uh, intel. That's good uh, research you do there. Yep. Uh, well, doing the show makes me a little bit better. A SWOT analysis almost. There you go. This is exactly what it is. That was a SWOT analysis. It's business SWAT. school all over again. Yeah. <laughs> real talk with Keith Smith is getting technical strength, today. Strength, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities. There you go. Opportunities. Thrust. I got it. I got it. I got to order, but you got it. My dyslexia kicked in. My dyslexia. We knew what kicked. you meant. 
More Keith. Look at I that. We knew what you meant. Look at he even, he even on this. That's story. why people watch the show. What was the comment the other day? Oh, yeah, they yeah. They come yeah. for the real estate, but they stay for the uh, the banter. What was the word that was used by the viewer list? Keith making a fool out of him. No. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, yeah. They come for the analysis and stay for the conversation. Stay for this. The banner, yeah. Um, it's a joy when experts, and Keith does a great job of getting experts on the show. This dude right here, Woody Fincham, is an expert. Fincham and Associates. Um, as we wind down the show, how about a take for the viewers and listeners on what they may be able to expect for the remainder of the year? Oh, wow. You always ask big questions, Jerry. Um, Especially the last one. Yeah, the last one's always a big one. So, I mean, we're still tracking in a very positive um, environment as far as the market goes. We would have to see some major shift uh, to, to, to change anything, or for me to change my opinion that we're going to have a positive sp- uh, spring and summer market. I think, I think we're, we're doing well. So uh, if you can give me a second to ask a question. Um, so if Scott Morris is right mm-hmm. and we hit... Ross Mortgage, he's a loan officer. If we hit 5% or either side of 5%... Oh, that's a great question. In your opinion... Is that going to help inventory? Great question. Will it help inventory? No. Well, how about, how about a broader question? In your opinion, is that good for the market? Um, it depends on what your, your perspective on good is. It's going to make everything a lot more expensive. More again, competitive. It's going to be extremely competitive. We're going to see a lot of consumers taking risks. Again, you know, appraisal gap coverage. Uh, more than what they're doing now. <laughs> God, what I know, dude. What your daughter is doing is the scariest thing I've ever heard. Oh, she's got a great advocate with her. Thank God. Woody is, Woody is, is, is would a you very... Do me a, would you do me a favor? Would you grab one of those bottles over there? Because I, I have to start I want to emphasize this. Woody Fincham is such a kind person he's oh, yeah. constantly on this topic uh, trying to diffuse the uh, risk and make it seem not as dangerous as it actually is happening but this is scary what your, your daughter is doing right here well that's why sight unseen offer living in seattle seventy five thousand dollar appraisal gap coverage has not walked the home no home inspection and is burning most of their cash position to buy this house and if you don't think i'm super excited about it you don't know me <laughs> what does yona say yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. I'm the supervising broker. I that's what she says all the time. Risk, but that's a risk. I, I wake what's... up in the morning and she goes, remember, I'm the supervising broker. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's the old adage? you got to pay to play? Yeah, yeah. I totally get it. You're totally but, right, Woody. But I've been talking about this on the show. This is when the pros show up. Yeah. Right? This is when Keith calls up Woody and thank you for what you've done for me sure. on it and said, look, we're trying to make an offer on this property in Richmond. What do you think? Do you take a look at the foundation? Are there eyes on like yeah, what's so, under the roof? Yeah, so I drive Yona nuts. Yeah. I'll walk to a house and pick it apart in five minutes. Okay. So so it's really unfair for me because I've been doing this for thirty five years. You know, I can walk around a house. I know that. Uh, you're you a know, pro. So the only thing that I could not determine on this house is up in the attic and in the crawl space because I couldn't get in it because I wasn't one, I didn't have a ladder, which is funny. I told Yona I'm going to start keeping in the back of my truck now. It's going to collapse. Yeah, they have the collapse. The collapsible ones are great. Like, I've got them. Okay. But I just don't put them in my truck because that's not what you're supposed to do with the truck, right? You don't put tools in your truck, right? (laughs) Dude, that could be one of the value propositions you offer. The realtor coming in with the ladder on their shoulder. 
Sure. Not only the uh, lockbox yeah, so, entry, is Yona, but a ladder is Yona as well. watching because because her risk that. management brain uh, hair is yeah. like going no. Yona, <laughs> you should make him get a ladder rack and put a full size ladder on a shelf. I used to have a ladder. I'm rack. sure you I've did. got rid of all that stuff. Woody, I don't want to do this anymore. Now he wears. A no, I'm talking down about shirt. the show. I don't want to do. This. <laughs> so he wears a button down shirt and a sports coat to work, not a tool belt and uh, and flannel anymore. Yeah, Yona. You know, what did she want me to do the other day? She wanted me to fix something in the house. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, Aren't you a builder? <laughs> went, yeah, but... Only he fixed the door to the studio. I only goes, play one on television. Promise you'll never tell Yoda that I fixed the door to the studio. She knows. I know, she knows. She knows. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, Woody, how can we find out more information on your business? Uh, you can take a uh, Google uh, Woody Appraiser. We pop up. I think I'm the only one in the country with those two distinctions. Um, and uh, WoodyFincham.com uh, is, is our website. And also I have a blog at Valuation Nation uh, on WordPress. So uh, please check into that if you'd like to. Or go to Real Talk with Keith Smith, pull down the Partner tab, and there's a little thing. You can click on it and get directly to Woody and before we wrap up, you're still offering services for, like, if I want to help have you come look at something before we put a contract in Absolutely, on it. as long as it's at the desktop, because I know you guys have yeah. got to fly. Um, we, we, this past week, actually just were hired by a consumer who was unhappy with an appraisal report, which I have to say was horribly written. Um, what do you do then? They ask us to do a review on it so they could go back to the lender and have it uh, disqualified as, a, as an appraisal. Really? I mean, it's, it, it was written by a fifth grader. Does wow. have, can you do that? Does that have legs? Is that a possibility? It depends on the underwriter. Um, and, you know, if this Who is, reached out to you, the underwriter or the, the client? Consumer. Oh, the, the buyer. The, buyer. the, the buyer. borrower was upset with yeah. it because it was a very complex piece of land. Uh, they hired someone from further away, oh. outside of the market. That didn't, Every comp in the report had a different zoning. Oof. It was, it was so nice. that's the downside. You know, the, the, the worst when we were pre-2008, mm-hmm. you know, it was insane. And it went from one extreme to another, right? And right. that's because we've got personal experience with with my uh, son-in-law and my daughter up in Connecticut. There was a $100,000 delta between the first appraiser and then the second appraiser. Same home yeah. within two weeks of each other. Yeah, and the reality, there's three things going on. One doesn't know what they're doing. Two, the other one doesn't know what they're doing. Or three, neither one of them knows. So what why are you looking at me with saying nobody's doing? <laughs> what are you bitching? I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I'm going to look at Jerry. Oh, I was kind of so hoping good. to end on a high note. Judah <laughs> oh, Wickower, props to him. Show yeah, archived you, at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. It's a pleasure to do these programs. The I Love Sevo show is up in approximately 56 minutes. So long, friends. Well done, boys. You'll tell Thank us you, Woody. Thank you, Woody. Thank you, Woody. Yep.